everyone. Welcome to Everyman BJJ, a weekly show covering MMA and BJJ news and training tips. Good afternoon, guys. We're live. What's up, everybody? Frank Forza here, Everyman BJJ, trio extraordinaire, Noah Green to my right, which might be your left, and my boy Jordan Worth, who I've trained with for maybe eight, nine years. I, I feel like I've watched this guy grow up before my eyes. Tenth Planet, Brown Belt, Jiu-Jitsu. Happy Sunday, guys. I, I was telling Noah off camera that I need to apologize, but I have a little uh, manjari, little little uh, food that I got to eat. I just went. I got like three hours in, guys. No sunscreen. I was running sprints, doing the whole monkey thing, calisthenic thing, and yoga. And I just, you know, we, we shoot this thing at, at, at 1.30 Pacific time every Sunday. So I was in a rush. I just threw a shirt on, kind of like what you're – it's weird, Jordan, because I was thinking, I was like, for some weird reason, I've been feeling primal lately. And I'm like, maybe I should just do the podcast without a shirt. And Jordan didn't have a shirt on. And I, and, uh, I was thinking – and then I was like, you can't do that. Like, this is just too – it's not professional. And But, you know, what's weird, us being from the fight sports, I feel like us not wearing a shirt is just not a big deal because we – I just got just done so training. And I didn't have a shirt on when I got done training. Yeah. I was um, yeah. like, I can't put a shirt on. Like running, I've around, always... r- running around barefooted and shirtless and like, it's like not a big deal for, for a fighter, you know, it's not like, so when, just... when you're on the heavyweight side, you're a little bit, you know, you're a little bit more self-conscious about, uh, about going shirtless. I've, uh, I, w- I was, I grew up in fear of going to PE and being, being on the skins team just in fear of it like oh i don't want you know i don't want to show my belly uh i've gotten past <laughs> you're, that you're on the road you're on the road to 185 now so you're gonna you're gonna get yes oh no i am yeah no i i and am maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we'll do it all shirtless when you hit 185 to celebrate okay. we'll do an all shirtless episode and it'll you know <laughs> and, yeah <laughs> yeah well um i uh i spent three I would say about probably about two and a half hours yesterday, uh, just constructing a schedule uh, for the interim, and I put it all onto into Google Calendar. And um, man, this is going to have me busy. But I, I I can follow it. I have my what you know I have my plan, and then I'm going to write print it out and have my on the right side. I have my actual of how it's working out, so I can get that feedback in. But uh, the next level to this is is to work with Jordan on training plan. And, um, um, and then also I got to work out my food. Uh, I got to work out my food plan. But um, I, I was thinking uh, that I wanted to bring up in this conversation of, of you know, the everyman transformation. Uh, now is the time. Now is the time to take control and to get, to get busy. Get busy if, becoming a if, gold medal. No, if somebody is not digging deeper right now and hustling more and wanting it and finally starting to do the things that they put off for years, if they're not trying to do it now, I don't. I just don't like their chances to ever get it right. Like this year, the one thing this year has given us, it's given us a lot of adversity. It's flipped the world on its head. There's been some BS in a lot of it too, if you ask me. But in the end of the day, there's always going to be opportunity and – there's an urgency in this year. There's an urgency to go. It's like go now, raise the bar, elevate. Like we, we it's like step your game up because things are going to get weird. Things are getting freaky. 
and everybody's going to need to step their game up or they're going to get lost way behind. So you're exactly right. Jordan, are you ready to uh, do some training on Tuesday? Yes, sir, I am. Oh, boy. Um, I, I don't. We didn't talk anything about it yet. Uh, yesterday I hopped on. I have a spinner. I was, have a legit spinning bike. And uh, I hopped on it, and I wanted off of that uh, within 20 minutes. I wanted off of it. Not because of the cardio, but just because of a lot of weight on that small seat <laughs> so I wanted off that seat but I, I said you know it's on your calendar it's on your calendar you're going to do it and so if I just keep to that like if I, if I just you know that self-discipline of challenging myself like all right look you can stand up on the pedals but you got to stay on the bike for an hour so I did it for an hour it wasn't it was you know I didn't really I didn't really mess with my heart rate that much I you know I know in my head like how to train heart rate I know in my head how to do that um, and you know what I know is like this kind of training take it easy watch some UFC chill you know just get just get on the bike and the repetition there or the uh, training outcome there is just follow your plan so now as, as a segue we, we said we were going to talk about acai today because since we all practice jujitsu and the Brazilians gave us the jiu-jitsu, or at least their rendition of jiu-jitsu. And they also gave us acai. Most of us had never, you know, really eaten it, the real acai. Now, you saw this, Noah, and you said, looks like an acai bowl. It does have some resemblance to it. It's not, unfortunately, I don't have acai in here. I just, this is a quick and dirty, like literally, this is like three minutes. This is some almond butter. These are some some organic, organic strawberries. And some banana. I could I could have put a lot more on there, but we had to get on air. I didn't want to hold us up. But as far as acai goes, brother, I have to. Um, we have a spot. We have a Brazilian restaurant here in Utah, and I literally have to like pretend I don't see it when I walk by because I just I want that dang bowl. I could eat that bowl every day. It's a lot of calories, though, brother. It's a lot of sugar. Even though that berry is super healthy for you, it's a lot of calories and it's a lot of sugar. Even if it's healthy fruit sugar. I think they put like some, I think they put some kind of sugar in it too, man. It just makes you covet it and, and want it so bad. Um, so no acai. You, you, you've got to have some acai. You've had the real acai, Noah, cause you've been to Brazil. You spent some time. Yeah, oh man. Oh man. Um, so just go to look up online. It's called BB's Suco. And that's a, it's a small chain there in Rio. Um, uh, but I had the one, um, that's uh, down the street from Hozier's, uh, uh, where Hozier, uh, Gracie, and uh, Barbara Gracie, and the family where they have their their place at. It's a uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, I think it's called Hua Iparanga or one of those streets there. Um, it's right there on the beach, and you can find these places. It's called Bibi's Suco. Suco just means juice, like. Uh, uh, and you go in there and you look at the menu, the stuff that just the different kinds of berries they have there. Uh, and it looks so purple. You know, what you see here, you know, out of you go to Whole Foods and you get that little bar, that frozen tube of Abasi doesn't, does not compare. It does not compare. It's like, it's like uh, ice cream, but it's, uh, it's like a chocolate. It's got a texture to it. That's like a berry texture, uh, but it looks honestly, it looks like a bowl of dog crap. Uh, but purple. They're not. Are you saying? 
Are you saying, no, they're not sending us their best stuff? They're not sending us their best acai? I just know some Bibisuko is the best. There's other places there that you can taste this, like, a little sugary, but that one there, just and they nail it. They nail it, and it's for, like, under $10 U.S. Now, definitely. Excuse me. Well, when I was down there, the exchange rate was two Brazilian hay ice to a dollar. Now it's up to, like, five and a half. Five and a half, five and a five and a half hay ice to a dollar. So uh, Brazil's on sale. Uh, definitely, it's on sale. Um, but unfortunately, Dennis Ash closed uh, Connection Heel that he had there, which is around the corner from Gordo's. And um, I would go around even just down the street from there. Um, every day, you can go get a uh, what's called a um, prato uh, prato feito, a full plate. At yep. Chia's, at Chia's, you just go there, you give them five hay ice, and you get a, like, you know, you get, it's like a buffet, and, the, you know, so it's for very one good US food. Dollar, for one U.S. dollar, you eat like a king. Uh, I mean, she probably raised her prices, uh, mm. you know, just because there's a, been a change in, uh, you know, the exchange rate. Uh, but, man, solid value. Just follow, just go in and eat, I, you know, you, you, it's. It's weird. It's a weird thing to do. I love, I would say if you asked me to rate the foods, I would put Brazilian in my top, probably my top three, man. Like in terms of, you know, a certain cuisine, Italian, mm -hmm. you know, Thai, Indian, Brazilian is, it's just, it's such a, di it's so dynamic, you know, what they do. But let's stay with Brazil because you were there and I want you, we're seeing right now in our, in our country, Noah, it looks like that there's been. It's, it, it feels like, at least, just when you go on social media, it feels like we might be headed to the wild, wild west, like kind of like every man or every every man, just to plug our show, every man and every woman for themselves. It seems like, hey, you're kind of on your own. The police aren't going to be able to help you out as much. And, and, and so it seems like we're in an upheaval of violence. It seems that way. I'm not, we're not going to cite numbers. I'm just saying to a lot of people, it seems that way. But you've been to Brazil. I mean, you hear people talk about, you know, the, the, the you know, people robbing you in Brazil. What is your sense of, of of Brazil and how safe you felt there and how you were able to fit in? And is, is America now, with the perception we have now, is America now anywhere near as violent or is like, no, Frank, Brazil would be, you know, where you were three or four times more violent. We'd have a long way to go to catch up to what that was. And how did you navigate that? Okay. I, uh, well, first off, um, I spent a lot of time by myself when I was there. Um, so I would go, uh, I would get on the, on the buses and go, go around and not, I had zero, zero negative encounters, um, for my six month stay. Six, zero. Absolutely. No, I was chair, you know, I was when I was American and you know spoke the language, but I also, uh, practice situational awareness. Um, and I, I took chances probably that, um, you know, some people would not take, uh, now the level of violence sup supposedly is much higher now since I've left right. it's much higher. Um, but I would like to go to, like when I go to Copacabana to train at Leo Vieira's, uh, Academy, um, I, we go as a group from the, um, um, Alberque which is like uh, hostile. That's the word for hostile. You know, mm -hmm. um, 
not hostile, but hostile H O S T E L. It's out called Alberque. Um yeah. and and so I would go with a group to train there. And it, um just to meander a little bit, um I would go take bus trips. You know, I was going to Petropolis, uh, which is an hour and a half bus uh bus ride away. Uh, let's just go around. I would be on the buses, be on the buses late at night. Um, no problem. I had no problem. Um, now, you know, like I, I carry, I carry my backpack, um, and in my backpack, you can tie up your pack, but I would also wear my pack in my front. You know, I would wear my pack in my front and where I would sit, you know, I would sit with my back where I would can see everything. Uh, but I didn't act nervous, you know, like I didn't listen, like all that. Uh, I just acted normal. I don't, you know, uh, I, I talk to people, you know, one way of disarming those around you is just to talk to them, you know, get them to start. So, 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 so not, not only, not only did you not experience any violence or threats or anything like that during your six months, but you also didn't see the violence that you read about and that we hear about or you still see, you also didn't witness it or see it. The only violence I saw was uh, the Brits came over and they got dengue fever. <laughs> so they were, they actually were in the hospital and in the group that was, I was around, cause I was around Australians some uh, New Zealanders. Um, and one of them said that uh, he got robbed. Um, and, but these guys, you know, and that has a group of Italians there too, but um these guys, you know, were, they were going into the favelas. Um, I didn't, I, I just didn't go to the favelas. I, well, you know, I was, why would, why would a tourist go to the favelas? Were they trying to buy something? Hint, hint. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, well, the favelas would come to them for delivery service. Um, but no, they were, they were going up there to go dancing, to go, uh, to go check it out, you know, not, you know, there, there are favela tours, but, um, that you could take and those are pretty safe. Um, but I, I these guys are just going to go chasing women. <laughs> they were going up there to chase crazy, women. That is the craziest thing ever. You can go to a country and they'll let you do a tour, a paid tour of the poorest neighborhoods. That is, that is insane. Like, you know, that is, that's just, that's, but so with, with the, the, you know, what I always found weird is that, and I've never been to Brazil, that the, the favelas are in the mountains, right? In America, it's the opposite. In the, in the mountains, the rich people get their home in the mountains. And in Brazil, I guess all of the prime real estate is down toward the ocean, or at least Rio. And then the, 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 the poor people, the less fortunate live up in the mountains. That's kind of, I don't know, do you find that, you guys find that kind of kind of weird a little bit or? It's well, I'm, I, uh, well, those are harder to provide services to, you know, with water, electricity, sewer up on a hillside. So, um, unless you were independently wealthy, you know, uh, you know, they figured out a way to make it happen. You know, the, the tradescraft, uh, just the people with the grit, um, that's, uh, you know, I think that's how the favelas came about. Um, but uh, yeah, no, down down near down near the uh, waterfront, um, and it's all of it is, you know, I, I've learned more about Brazil since 
I've come back than when I was than before I went. So um, you know, I have a much more stronger appreciation of the country and of the language um, and the geography. Like I didn't know that the the Acai berries come. I was like totally confused. Like where does this uh, where does this Acai berry come from? And you know, I see these large like five ton trucks coming in with they're just full of of um, of pineapple and you're seeing them coming into the city. You see, you know, uh, when I was taking the bus out, out away, like up towards Minas Gerais, um, the, I would see these trucks, just the back of the truck, you know, like um, full of produce coming into the city. It was amazing to see. But I was like, well, what does an acai berry look like? Well, acai berries are come, they're, they're uh, harvested off of the Amazon. So they're, they're trucked down away quite a bit, actually, to Rio. I had thought they were being harvested locally, but they weren't. They're actually brought down from the uh, Amazon, which is Did you, far now, away you, from Rio. Were you, I mean, were you romantically involved? You married a Brazilian woman, very attractive Brazilian woman, very smart. Um, were you Were you a single man at the time you were in Brazil for this six-month stay? No. Oh, I wasn't single for long. <laughs> I wasn't I single for long. My buddies, my buddies that have been to Brazil, you know, Robert Drysdale who gave my black belt, and then I've got other buddies that have been over there, and they're like, one of the key things they talk about between, I've met the Brazilian women over here, but they're like, in Brazil, the women are very approachable, unlike in America, where, you know, women can look at you sideways, or women can be very much like, well, what do you want? And, you know, too many guys hit on me, and I've heard that in Brazil, it's like, it's the opposite. Like, even a woman that, isn't romantically interested in you will just be nice and be and, and you know talk to you and did you get a sense of that over there not as a you know as a guy who was taken but did you through your friends and others are the women tend to be much more approachable i guess uh i i went uh so they're curious because they're like who this is who's this foreigner and the um the brazilians adore american culture so there's a little bit, you'll feel a little bit like a celebrity in a way there when you're outside the country. But um, there's also, it's, you're trying to, you feel like you feel this attention on you. That's a weird thing for, you know, cause here in America, you know, we're, we have so much diversity here that we're pretty, you know, it's no big deal. You know, it's no big deal for, to see, oh, you're an Italian. Oh, uh, you know, I love your accent, the, the, the Australian accent or, is that, oh, that's a New Zealand accent. That's not, you know, you, you just get so much impression here in the, in the United States. But when you go there, you stick out. You stick out because of your, your mannerisms are not Brazilians, uh, Brazilian. Your, obviously your language skills. Uh, are, it, Brazilian Portuguese is, I've accepted that I'm never going to be like, better than, you know, as good as a, you know, like I'm, I've already accepted that I'm never going to be that good. Mm -hmm. But one day will come, you know, where I'm, you know, at least I'm pretty, pretty decent at it um, mm -hmm. with, with, with practice. But your, your language skills will stand out. Mm -hmm. um, um, so anyways, that's a lot. Hey, Jordan, I, we lost you there for a second. Jordan, can you hear us? Yes. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You've been quiet so far. We've been on there like 15 minutes. Yeah, I haven't heard from you yet. 
Yeah, I can hear everything. That echo effect. Oh, you're getting an echo? Okay. Oh, uh, wait, yeah. I have a bad echo. But. Oh, you do? Okay. Well. I was wondering why he hadn't said anything, I but that, that, I that explains it. I Brazil because I, I am fascinated by, and I know that there's different parts of Brazil. We can't speak for all of Brazil, right? We're, we, I'm, I'm generalizing, and of course, I'm sure there's many different personalities and and different characters of Brazil and the countryside and the beat, you know, other places like Florianopolis and there's, but, but talking about like Rio, it, it does, it seems like it's a very, like, it, it seems like it's a very like palpable, raw, natural place where like, in other words, kind of like, you know, it's not like, um, you know, America, sometimes I feel like we're, we're trying to put on appearances more like where people are trying to be, be something because they think that it makes sense for their for for their job or their profession or whereas I get the sense like a Rio the Brazilians I've met that it's just raw you're just who you are you're just your natural self and and some people will like you and some people won't and you just you know and even like with street situations I got the sense that like you know my American sense having never been there but having a lot of friends who have it's like I feel almost like like if something breaks out like You've got to fight. There's not like, I'll call the police. I'll sue you. You know, America, it's very much a, if you do this to me, I will sue you immediately. I will sue you to smithereens. I will, you know, I will call the cops right now over a routine argument. Whereas I get the sense, at least, no, and you can speak to this, that in Brazil, it's like, no, if something goes down, you just got to kind of handle it. It's like, you know, it's like old school, like primal raw, like, nah, handle that. The police might not or probably won't be called. You just got to handle that. Is that is give me a sense of that. What, what's it like with stuff, the differences in the way things are handled there versus, say, the United States? Oh, I don't know if I can speak to that really, um, uh, unfortunately. Uh, or fortunately, I didn't have to deal with that. However, you are um, you do you do realize that. Um, when you travel abroad, you do realize that uh, there's nothing like being an American. There's nothing like you. We have rule of law here in the United States, and um, we, you know, since we practice English common law uh, and the concept of torts, which is the defining character of of, of uh, English law, common law, is the system of torts. Whereas um, Brazil has the they, they come out of the Napoleonic code if I'm um, from and so there's a little bit more of a you know the Napoleonic code is more of a um, um, you're guilty until proven innocent so you have to prove mm -hmm. your innocence of things whereas in, in here in, in English common law you're um, you know you're more of uh, you know well you have to prove it you have to prove it. but the system of torts is also very important. The, the concept of torts, which is um, if you kill my cat, you, I'm going to make you pay for that, all right? And there it's extrajudicial, you know, or, or um, it's outside of the judicial process. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's the mentality, you know, because they, it's just a different system there. And there... Coming from that, the, how that society, how that culture is designed, you know, how it kind of originated from that Napoleonic Code, 
and just their influences. Um, yeah, I, I, I was, I would, I would presume that there's a lot of more. There's more of um, you have to watch out for yourself. Yeah. Where I mean, here, I, I, I've heard, I've heard stories like where if someone like a guy is accused of, of raping a woman, and you know, it's like the neighbors just just beat the piss out of him. You know, it's not like let's call the cops, whatever. It's like the brother, the sister, the whoever. There's a lot of that sort of, again, I'm speaking more to like, to, to Rio, but you know, my friends have stories like that where it's like, Hey, things get handled like that. That's not an, that's not an abnormal thing. It's like in America, they call the police and the police arrest them. And then a lot of times, um, you know, the bad guy might get a, a pretty short slap on the wrist or a short, um, sentence and in Brazil it's like well we'll just skip the middleman we'll skip the police uh, let's let's handle it he did this bad thing and, and again I'm not I haven't been there to um, to see it myself I, I actually when I worked for UFC we did a show in Brazil I was really pushing and lobbying and hoping to go um, it, it was in it was in Rio and uh, I actually helped us a lot we had we had an issue where um, we were thinking, how are we going to get security for some of our venues? That was a big thing for, for like the pre-fight buildup and press conferences and, you know, the week of the fight. And there's a lot of things and there's beach, there's activities on the beach to promote UFC. And so there was an issue of, well, how do you secure it? And then the cost of securing it. And so that was probably one of the best things, one of the, some of the best work I ever did with UFC was trying, you know, trying to create ways to say, we won't pay for the security. They will. They have the Olympics coming up. They can't afford to have an incident, a black eye. And so it wind up being that we at the UFC were able to get them to, you know, the, the, the city there to put a lot of security resources into to our um, activities like leading up. That was actually one of the, I think, some, some of my best work at UFC. But but when, when everybody went there in UFC, it was, it was the only place that I know of that UFC went at the time where they said to the staff, like, if you leave the hotel – after dark it's on you like we have no responsibility for you whatever we're advising you not to but if you do you do so at your own risk um i didn't, they've never done that before i didn't go out at night um um in rio uh you know in rio they have a problem on the beach so let, let me explain like this um so there's a beach culture there where let's say every sunday uh you know, whereas we have in the, in the U.S., we have our backyard. We have our backyard, and we pull out the little grill, and we do grilling. I don't call it barbecuing because I'm a Texan, and I know what barbecuing really means. I might I might add that. But um, in in Rio, a lot of families go to the same section of the beach. Uh, Not sure what happened. His phone yeah. had an issue. Yeah, his phone died. Um, no, he let me just. Con oh, there he is. Okay. Um, let me just pop him back in here. All right. Can you hear me? Okay. I Frank? hear you, brother. All right. It, you know, in Rio, um, you know, you know, you have your Sunday get-togethers, and maybe they'll have soccer, football. Um, so families will go to the same section of the beach, you know, for generations. You know, that's just that's sort of a family thing they do. They all go there. You'll have your grand grandparents. You'll have the children. You'll have, you know, the family. You know, like, let's get it, meet up on the beach, you know, at where we usually meet up at. Well, there you'll have lawlessness and, you know, like, looters where you'll have gangs 
and this could be like adolescents, like teenage groups of 30 to 40 teenagers. 30 to 40 teenagers will get together and they will, and they will just run through the beach looting, stealing from people. What? Yeah, let me explain that again. Frank. Hey, buddy. Let me Sorry, finish. Yeah. Let me finish. Quit, yeah, touching your, quit touching your device. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Uh, let me get this story out because I have to repeat it. Uh, you'll have gang, like adolescents, um, they're on the, on the beach, 30 to 40 of them. And this is called a ashtown, uh, where they'll run through the beach stealing pe from people. You know, like, like, like a gang. Like a flash mob, like a flash mob kind of thing. Flash mob, yeah, 30 to 40 uh, adolescents running through there. And, you know, just like, like in, you know, you can't have enough protection there. You know, you're going to have to take some people down, uh, you know, self-defense. Um, and, and they, you know, they have weapons, you know, for years until Jair Bolsonaro uh, came around. Uh, they, they had made it very difficult for the average law-abiding citizen to have self-defense. Uh, you know, for the half firearms. Now he's changing that around. He's loosening up those walls. Um, oh, so are, you, I, are you referring to guns? You're referring to knives? What are you referring to? Firearms. Firearms. Okay. Yeah, handguns. So you're saying handguns. they were very. But th let, let's let's stay with this for a second. And now we need Jordan. We've we've kept Jordan out of here because I've been so fascinated about the Brazil part. But but this is for all of us now because um, this this has relevance to what's going on in our country. By the way, you you guys have seen we've got more. It seems like we have more head stomping going on now in the streets. It just seems that way, unfortunately. And I guess the the question that's related to this is this if we are headed to more of a wild west in America, if we're headed there, right? If if this is a if this is if our perception is right and it seems like there's more angry people, there's more people that you know, you're more likely to get jumped now and whatever wrong place, wrong time, wrong neighborhood. If that's the case, right? The police are not going to be as responsive. If that's the case, if it's the case, what is the net effect on the martial arts community? Because we already know, we already know this, guys. This is this is fact. It's a fact that 2020 set the record by far for 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 gun sales and for ammo. Right now, it's hard to get some ammo on certain guns like nine millimeters. So we know that people are stockpiling weapons left and right here. The net. The, the real question, though, is. Will they also gravitate in even bigger numbers to wrestling, to jujitsu, to judo, to knife training, to Kali? Will that, will the net effect be, because you can't just shoot your way out of everything. I mean, there's still going to be, even if it becomes more the Wild West, right? And even if the police aren't as responsive and the police don't handle as many things, even if that's the case, you as a citizen still have to operate on a continuum. You can't just have somebody shove you and shoot them, right? That's not, there's still going to be a continuum. So the person that is able, that has hand-to-hand -hand skills is going to have more options if they have to deal with something than somebody who just has a gun and is a coward and just shoots because there's an argument with their neighbor and they're scared, right? There's still going to be an onus of responsibility. And I imagine a continuum there for anybody who's trained to say, hey, I have to handle situations myself now, but I have to be intelligent about it. I have to operate on a continuum. So I pose the question. Let's put. Let's bring Jordan in now, and then we'll bring it back to you, Noah. I pose the question to both of you. What is the net effect of 2020 and what seems like more of a wild, wild west? 
what is the net effect of that? Is that going to drive a lot more people to say, I want to learn jujitsu. I want to learn judo. I want to learn Muay Thai. I want to learn MMA. I want to learn the box. I want to learn firearms. I want to learn. Is that going to be the net effect, Jordan, your thoughts? You know, man, I've wondered the same thing myself. I honestly am I'm not sure exactly how to answer that question. I'll, if it was just simply that there was a lot of riots going on and a lot of like people upset and all this, all this emotions, then I would say the net effect would be to, to drive people to jujitsu and to, to learn how to fight. And I, and if I had a, if I had to put my, um, if I had to put a guess on it, I think that will be what the, the end result will be is I think jujitsu will definitely go up. Martial arts training will definitely go up because of all this, but it's also a weird time now with all this coronavirus, with all this H, uh, well, um, COVID, COVID-19, I almost called it H1N1, some, um, <laughs> some disease that shouldn't, we shouldn't be worried about, not that worried about, but um, with all this worry, with all this pandemic stuff going on, it's like people are scared to train, at least some people are, but I think a lot of people are starting to realize that not really that big of a deal and a lot of people are what 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 what, what sorts of numbers jordan you you teach every day every afternoon there in in vegas what sorts yeah. of numbers are you seeing now number of students versus what you would have seen the same time last year what's the drop-off been what percentage would you put on how many would would you have seen last year this time in each class versus how many now in a peak class in a, in a heavy class what's the difference We're, we haven't really seen a change, really. It's really been about the same. Um, it's really been about the same last year as it is this year. It's, I haven't really noticed too much of a, of a change. We still have been, ha been having good numbers and stuff, so, yeah. Is it, is it a little harder to get new business then in this climate? Is, is, it this, is it the usual suspects, the same diehards you're seeing, or is it harder to get new people walking in off the street now? with this um i don't i wouldn't be able to answer that because i don't handle the the signups and stuff like that i just i just yep. coach there i don't handle any of the signups but i've seen a couple of the the walk-ins and stuff and these guys are definitely not diehards yeah <laughs> they're, they're average joes normal guys coming in off the street so are they looking are they are, are your average joes look your every man um are they looking to compete or are they just looking what have you been able to to elicit their uh, training goals? It's different for every person, man. But um, mm -hmm. not, a lot of a lot of them are just like, oh yeah, like I'm. I, I'm a lot of them are interested because they've watched MMA and stuff. That a lot of well, we have a lot of guys that are fan of the Joe Rogan experience, and they come in. Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, Rogan said, talked to me about, uh, told me about Tenth Planet, so I came in. Um, gotcha. Yeah, not not too many I've said about competition. <laughs> now, Noah, yeah. you are a former Marine. I, I I hate I feel bad calling anybody a former Marine because it's you know it's like ah, you know. It's well, you don't say former. You just say you're a Marine. As I'm still yeah. a Marine. Okay, and I apologize for that. Performance. That's fine. I apologize to all Marines out there. And never um, just say X. Never say yeah. X. That's the worst. That's the worst. As yeah. a Marine, a Marine, yes. you're a guy who's trained with weaponry. What? do you imagine the net effect of this we have more it seems to me we have more scared people than at any time i can remember. i don't remember at one time in my lifetime where i've seen more scared people it's almost like if you gauge the temperature of the of the of the country there's a lot of fear out there 
And what is the net effect of this? And again, none of us knows for certain, but in your best perception, your best imagining, Noah, what does that mean to the net effect of people going to martial arts schools or wanting to go? Because we know COVID might not allow them to do it, but but do you think the net effect is, man, we're going to see an even bigger number of people driven to these gyms, to the combat sports? Or do you think, no, yes, they're afraid, but they're just going to huddle with their guns and stay in the house and COVID's going to scare them away. We will not see, we will not see a boom. Fear and anxiety are weird, aren't they? Uh, anecdotally, you might hear stories of people wanting uh, more, you know, more firearms or, uh, you know, but they have to, to, to that desire has to be met with action as well, doing it and just wanting to be more safe and, and, and to insulate yourself uh, and that anxiety, just that desire, there's a long stretch between that and getting up and adding it to your schedule and, and training for it day by day, every day. Um, yep. That's, that's, and it, the, the weed out effect is vast. You know, the net effect will be, you know, maybe a couple people show up, you know, because of it, a couple. Um, but I, I wanted people, to address people something. Come, people, people might come for a week and then be like, all right, man, screw this, man. Let's get, this is too Let's hard. get more bullets. Let's get more bullets. You know what I have been seeing anecdotally, and I would love to see stats on this, the sale of, like, pepper spray and mace, whatever, like, I bet you that's through the roof. And now they've got Jordan. I know you've seen this on Facebook. They've got ads for like these like Billy Club things that like that almost should be illegal. Like, have you seen it? Like, people are just as soon as everything heats up, they got these things. It's like they got. Have you seen that one stick? What's it called? It's like it's this stick that like you hit someone one time and then they do the demo and then the guy pulls it. I'm like, this should almost be illegal. Like, but but so people do have other options. And like I say. A lot of people in this country, unfortunately, we have a, a country that's very prescription drug reliant and uh, a country that, you know, you generally doesn't eat healthy. We have what I call magic pill mentality. We want, a, we want a vaccine or a magic pill to bail us out of everything, out of all of our bad decisions. And if that stays the case, then to what you're saying, Noah, it could be, hey, you know what, there's, um, there's easier ways for me to defend myself than to go and have people sweat on me and be in pain and be uncomfortable and get tapped and get my ego bruised and take three hours a day and come home and have my wife say, why are you still doing that? That's kind of a waste of time. We should be doing this, this, this. And uh, so it, it will, it, guys, this, this will be interesting though. I'm Cause this is the thing. Now I could just be a weirdo and I'm sure that Jordan probably falls in this category too, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, I need to, I need to become like, I need to be, I need to be like a prepper now. I need to trade. I need to be ready. Right. I've got like, I've taken all kinds of like, I'm, I'm just aware, like what you're saying, Noah, I'm more, I'm, I'm, I've always been aware of my surroundings come from Baltimore. Like in Baltimore, if somebody drove around the block twice, people knew people were like that car just drove around twice. Right. And, and people were always, people would sit certain places in the restaurants. They could see everybody come in and, and I've really, I hate to admit it because I'm an optimist and I I'm hopeful um, and I, I, you know, I wake up every day and I try to be hunky dory and, and, and I try to be peaceful, but at the same time, I'm not stupid. And I've, and I've seen violence up close. I've lived in, in tough neighborhoods and I'm like, you know what, bro, you better get ready. Like you better start training like multiple attacker scenarios. The police aren't coming scenario, right? Like, this is not a like this is not a joke. Like this is a real thing. Jordan, what do you what do you think about that? Are you training 
other things now as well. I told you guys knife training. You know, knife training is something that I'm getting into now. Um, I'm even looking at gardening a little bit. So, Jordan, what what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, for sure. I've even before all of this stuff, I've always been really, really into like apocalypse style situations and really, really into like um, different. Just different. <laughs> Ever since I was like a kid, dude, I've always been preparing for like zombie apocalypse. Oh, like a <laughs> I've always, always, always been like thinking about like apocalypse style situations. So, like I've always like the first thing I trained before I trained, um, before I started uh, doing um, MMA and like jujitsu and stuff. A lot of people don't know actually, but um, when I was like four, 13 and 14, as soon as I turned 15, because uh, right before I started training at 15, I, I used to do parkour. And a lot of people wow. don't realize it, wow. but um, parkour is a martial art. And you may, uh-huh. you may not realize that, but parkour is a martial art, because what is a martial art? Martial art is the art, uh, martial art is protecting yourself in a, in a fight or flight scenario, you know what I mean? Uh, martial yeah. arts is the art of fighting, you know what I mean? But you can't always win the fight. Sometimes you need to get out of the situation and protect yourself. Sometimes you need to assess the situation and realize that you're not going to be able to win the situation and need to get yourself out of the situation safe, safely. And so when you're addressed with, like, a, an, adrenaline, uh, an adrenaline situation, you, you get that fight-or-flight response, you know what I mean? Martial arts, karate, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, all that stuff is the art of fighting, Parkour is the art of flight, right? Fight or flight. Mm. Sometimes you need to have that flight response, and you need to know, you need to know how to navigate your body and do like gymnastics and do like that urban gymnastics and get out of the situation as quickly and effectively as possible. Um, I really, I've always really, really been big into guns and stuff like that. I, I love guns and stuff. Um, I don't have a gun unfortunately right now, but I really want to get one. My dad has guns and stuff like that. So if anything ever happened, I would just go to my parents' house. My parents have a bunch of supplies and guns and stuff. Um, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big it's proponent. It's a... Yeah, go ahead. You're a big proponent of. I was gonna say I'm a big proponent of guns. Like I, I think, I think civil, I, people think I'm crazy. Like I think whatever the the military should have, the civilians should be able to have, except for like, except for like high level explosives. But like gun wise, I think if the military can have it, I think civilians should be able to have it. You know, staying with parkour for a second, though, that's, first of all, that's a fascinating uh, and, and very eye-opening um, look at parkour because I'm sure, I, I think I speak for Noah, too, where most of us just wouldn't look at it like that. That's an excellent analysis of the fight or flight that can happen in a live situation. Because, you know, that, so there, there's so much you said in there, in there Jordan. Um, by the way, I just posted a, I just posted my first parkour video. I reshared it. It was, it's the crazy, if anybody oh, I watched that, dude, that was go sick. to my Facebook, it's insane, that I mean, that's so just insane, cool, I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, this has to be, like, this, this has to be just fake, or do- doctored, or, oh. you know, deep fake video, my God, oh. it, that's, un, it's unbelievable, I mean, that, that's just, I mean, you know, so, like, what you're saying, I mean, the, there's a level of me, even the mind jits, you know, mind over matter, I'm like, wow, like, this guy, the risk involved, right, I know he's highly trained, but the risk involved to land some of those and you know, he's jumping from a, a building to a to like a little piece of like almost like curb and he's got to hit it and it's just so it's insane so, but it's a, go ahead so i was gonna say um i started training parkour in like 2010 2011 and the beginning of 2012 those are the years i trained parkour and back then there was this show called mtb's ultimate parkour challenge and there was a, a bunch of people from the wfpf 
and it's the World Freerunning and Parkour Federation. And like I like, dude, Frank, I was all when I'm into something, I'm all into it, dude. Like I studied yeah. like all about like the roots and stuff like like parkour comes from France. It comes from like the French military from this guy named David LaBelle. And David LaBelle like taught it to like the French military and stuff like on how to like like urbanly navigate through like the environment as effectively as possible. And that's where parkour actually stemmed from was like being taught to the French military. Like a lot of people don't know that. Like I always whenever yeah, I'm into something, I always study the roots of like where it came from and how it started yeah. and stuff like that. It's almost um, like nin- nin- ninjas in shorts and t-shirts. It's like ninjas, yeah. but, but they're, they're dressed in street clothes. Like. Um, but, uh, so yeah, the, there was this show called the um, MTV's Ultimate Parkour Challenge, and it was it was like the best best free runner and parkour athletes in the world at the time. And they went to uh, this like gymnastics gym, and they did like a workshop for a couple days. And I actually went there and got to train with those guys and got to learn from those guys, like the best free runners and parkour guys in the world. And I asked, I was just asking them all sorts of questions at the time. And one of my favorite guys. Um, Daniel Ilabaka. Daniel Ilabaka. He was like sick. He was on all sorts of like those like those like fight. He was on like that fight science show like back in the day. He was in like a bunch of TV shows. He was like in a bunch of movies and stuff. But uh, anyway, I asked Daniel Ilabaka, and I was like, "Hey man, like, yo, like how?" He was really good at these things called precision jumps. Where like imagine like handle like um like like um. Like, you're walking on a pathway, and there's, like, two bars, like, uh, side rail pathways for, 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 your, for your hands. You know what I mean? But they're, they're round. So it would be very hard to even stand on it. And then you can jump off of one and land on another one. You know what I mean? And you're, you're jumping from one bar to another bar, and it's very easy to fall off or, like, split your legs and hit your balls. And he would do a crazy, crazy, crazy precision jumps, like, stuff that I had never seen before. And I asked him, I was like, hey, man, like, how do you do these crazy precision jumps? Like, how, like, I don't understand. And then um, he told me about the parable of the plank, but didn't call it the parable of the plank. And John Donaher made a video about the parable mm-hmm. of the plank, and it blew up in jiu-jitsu years later. But the parable of the plank is um, essentially Daniel, Daniel Ilabaka told me, what I do, man, is I practice on cracks. So cracks on a sidewalk. I'll stand on one crack, and then I'll jump as far as I can and land on another crack and stick the landing without moving. Because that's what you have to do on a precision jump. You have to jump and stick without without moving, or else you're going to fall off the target. And he would say that he would just practice on different cracks. He would try and jump and stick the landing. So he's on starting the very very, and, very small where there's no risk, right? So very very very, exactly, very small jump exactly. where there, there's no risk at all. He would perfect big, it where there was jump, no risk, literally no risk, just on flat ground. Exactly, just trying to yeah. jump and stick the landing on a crack. And then he said once he could do that. He knows how far he could jump and stick the landing. And so he would do it and he would apply that. And he says as long as he can do that on flat ground, if he can do that 10 times on flat ground, then he should be able to do that even if it's 1,000 feet up in the air. You know what I mean? It doesn't – then it's – you you know what you're capable of. You know, you can do it on flat ground with no risk. So what is the difference when you're, uh, when you're 1,000 feet up in the air? It's the same exact thing. It's just your mind changing and adding risk to the thing. It's, it's the same exact situation. And it's like – John Donaher made a video online about it, about he's seen like some daredevil come to his school and perform some stunt. And it's the, about how he like walked across on a plank on like a big, big, big um, gap in between two buildings. And then he put the plank down on the floor and was like, Oh, can you guys walk across this plank? And everybody could walk across the plank. And then he was saying, it's the same exact thing, except it's really high up now. It's the same exact concept and parable. And I, I, when John Donaher said that, I was like, Oh my God, I learned that when I was a little kid in parkour. Yeah. 
it's 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 fascinating how those parkour guys also when they do elect to fall right when they do elect to jump and spin and then they hit the ground it's fascinating how they kind of like hollywood stunt people are able to break the fall i think there's a lot of relevance there for um people people in the martial arts too you know how they're able to 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 distribute the weight and land on a body part where they're able to walk away it's a martial arts role yeah, it is a martial arts role. It's like a judo role or a martial arts role. When they fall down on, onto the floor, they they tuck their arm and they roll and they they create they turn themselves into like a circular motion and then they roll yep. and they roll right up to their feet, right? So yeah. that the the motion is never like slapped down to the floor. The motion never right. stops. So all of the weight is never focused on one area, like all the weight on your shoulder, which would crush your shoulder or your neck. The exactly. weight is so is so evenly distributed throughout that it lines up being a get up and walk away fine. I want to say this though, because you mentioned this and this, this has relevance. I actually was dream. I, I had a dream last night that incorporated this and you reminded me of something in my childhood. We were talking about the fight or flightness of, you know, of our adrenaline response where we perceive we're in a threatening situation or, um, you know, maybe someone's going to attack us or, but I, when I was younger in Baltimore, I was jumped a couple times. And I had this stupid thing in my head, which was, you're not allowed to run from a fight. So when I That's thought of fighting, yeah, when, I, when, when I thought of fighting as a youngster, I always thought, well, when it's time to fight, if somebody makes trouble or you have to defend someone, or you have to defend yourself, you have to fight. You cannot be a coward. The worst thing yeah. would be a coward. The notion of live to fight another day or even de-escalation, like these were not in like, 14, 15, 16-year-old Frank's mind, there was no, like, hey, let's de-escalate. There was no, you know, you you have the option to run or live to fight another day. So even when there were multiple attackers, me, like a dumbass, was like, okay, how do I, how can I win? And, you know, I'm only 145, 150 pounds at that time, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah. I'll, I'll fight them. And what you said earlier about parkour, about, you know, the French military, and the option in a fight that there sometimes, as they used to, the old saying goes, discretion is the better part of valor. Sometimes the best thing you can do is live to fight another day. We see that even in the UFC now where there are things where one fighter is getting pummeled so much. It's so obvious that that fighter's not going to win. And sometimes the best thing, even though we're like, ah, well, you know, courage to the max and fighting spirit and this and that, we're like, this person had Tony Ferguson in that fight against Gaethje. Like at some point, Discretion has to be the better part of valor, and smart people have to say, hey, it's just time to say it's not his day, and let's protect the fighter. And the same thing, a teenager like me in the trenches, a teenager like me in the trenches who's saying, hey, stay and fight, there is a time to run. There's a time to say, hey, get a restart, get a new day. It's not your day. The number, there's too many of them. And and so when I, your parkour thing made me, you know, now I'm aware and I was just I had a dream last night and I was thinking in in the dream when I woke up, I was like, yeah, there's you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is run. And that just to show you how, how long it took me, that's so commonsensical. Right. But I'm like now I'm like, hey, bro, sometimes the best answer, you got multiple attackers, whatever, whatever you run, like make sure your cardio is on point. You got you tap into your inner David Goggins and you need to run, run, run. And there's no shame sometimes in running and escaping the situation or de-escalating it. Let me, let me touch base on that because um, I, I agree, disagree with this. I, but for the most part, I agree. 
So yeah, and like you were talking about in MMA regards and stuff like that. I feel like I'm talking about multiple regards. attacker scenarios, Jordan. I'm talking about multiple attacker scenarios, especially you and I. Yeah. You're you're not likely to have one person want to make trouble with you. It would likely be a multiple attacker scenario. Yes, and I I still to this day I'm I'm not the smartest guy. So I don't claim to be the smartest guy, but I still have that mentality to today. If you um um the only time I'm gonna resort to my parkour is if you pull out a weapon, Frank. You pull out a knife. You pull out a gun. You pull out a like a big stick. You pull out a bat. I'm gone. Now it's not a normal fight. But if there's what if you have multiple attackers trying to step your your wrong place, there's wrong time. There's three guys, Frank. There's three guys. There's four guys. There's five guys. There's no weapons in sight. They throw their hands up with me. I'm going to throw my hands up with those five guys, and I'm going to take my ass whooping. I'm not running. Jordan, I'm not running. I, pro- I probably would do the same. I probably would do the same. I'm just mentioning running as an option. I probably yeah. still have kind of like – it's kind of like one of those fighters where I said this last night about Joe Benavidez, who I trained with. You know, UFC was last night. Good card. I know you watched, Jordan. You said you were working out. And when I when I was doing the fight in my head and I was, and I was you know, handicapping, and I was thinking, you know, how's this fight going to go? And I thought, well, for Joe Benavidez to beat the guy, um, you know, Figueroa, who's now the flyweight champion, I'm like, for Joe to beat him, Joe would have to dance a lot. Joe would have to be, you know, kind of run from the fight, land some punches, get out of the way and dance and play the points game. But the problem with that is that's not who Joe Benavidez is. Joe Benavidez is a scrapper. He's a brawler. He Once you hit him, his heart's going to set in. And that's just like you and I. It's like, yes, running is an option. It's a conscious option. But the likelihood is once I start seeing red and once things go, I'm probably going to be like Joe Benavidez, which is you're going to fall on your sword and say, well, this is who I am. I can't I can't play that strategy game. Now, having said that, I still I am much more receptive to the idea because, again, Jordan, you know, I love you, but you're still a young guy like, you know, to you, it's still important. And it was at your age. I was the same way. It's important to that valor, that bravery, that heart. And it's just so important. It's so key to your identity. When you get older, yeah. sometimes you realize it's not, that's not an all-consuming part of the identity. It's still there. Yeah. But, but, but sometimes it's like, you know, I mean, if you could just get out of the situation, it's like there's five, ten people who want to stop your head. And I've had my head stop. I had my head. I got jumped so bad one time that I had the footprint, you know, the bottom of the footprint. The bruise on my head was the shape of some, whatever was on the bottom of their soul. I had that for a couple of days. I had to go to work with that. I felt like a truck hit me. And, uh, and, and, and I, and I, one, my buddy who was a cross country state champion who was with me, he ran, he never got caught. He never took a punch. I decided oh, I, was no, Jordan, I, was, your friend now. I, I was Jordan worth. I was like, bring it. <laughs> let me tell, let me tell one story real quick, Frank. Uh, I'll tell it really, really quickly. That's actually, this is actually how I got into MMA. This is actually like, well, it's, it's really part of the story, but um, that's actually the story on how I, how I really got into MMA. So I always knew about MMA and stuff like that because my dad was a jiu-jitsu blue belt, so I grew up watching MMA way more than I would ever watch football and stuff. I was watching, like, Chuck Liddell and, like, Royce Gracie and all the old guys. But um, one day I was walking home, man, and uh, these kids were messing with me, dude, me and, my, me and my cousin Brandon and my best friend Blake. And it was like a kid – it was like a group – of like nine or ten kids and they were all screaming at us screaming at us like hey white boys hey white boys come over here like look over here and we just weren't looking at them and then before i knew it they threw a bottle at us it broke right by my feet the glass like shattered and like hit my ankles and stuff 
and the bottle could have hit my head. They were pretty much throwing it at me. And so I stopped and I looked at them and they all were like screaming at me, trying to fight us for like pretty much exactly no reason. And then they, there was literally, I swear to God, Frank, like nine or 10 of them. And it was me and two of my friends. And I was like, hey guys, like I'll fight. Every, I literally told him, I was like, I will fight everybody here. One, this is before I started training. I was like, I just turned 15. I was like, I will fight every single person here one-on-one. Just square up with me one-on-one. I'm not going to fight all you guys at once. You have us outnumbered. I'll fight everybody here one-on-one. And then this kid got in my face and was like, what's up? What's up? I'll fight you. What's up? What's up? And then uh, threw his hands up. I looked at him. As soon as I looked at him, I got hit in the back of my head. I, then I, I turned around. I put my hands up. And then as soon as I looked at one kid, I got hit in the back of my head again. I turned around, and then I realized that they had me boxed in. There was four kids. I was in the middle, and there was two kids in front of me and two kids behind me. And every time I would get hit, I would turn around, and they'd hit me from behind again. I would turn around, they'd hit me from behind. And then um, I looked up, and I, I backed up. I backed up so that they were all in front of me. And then I looked up, and there was four kids, and they were all squared up with me, all walking down in a line. And I, it was just me. And I looked up, and my friend Blake that some kid was trying to, like, some kid, like, was shot on Blake's legs, was, like, trying to take Blake down. Blake was, like, 6'5", like, a super tall guy. There was a kid on Blake's back, like, bear-hugging him, and Blake looked up, punched some kid, and then some kid ran and jumped on top of Blake, Blake and took Blake down, and then the kid started attacking me again, and I fought these kids for, like, just a little bit, and I started walking away, and as I was walking away, they tried to get me to run, Frank, and I was like, I'm not going to run. I was walking on the curb, and, um... Uh, they were walking, they were all in the street, and they were all screaming at me, like, hey, step off that curb, step off that curb, like, step off that curb and see what happens, like, you better get off out of here, you better, you better start moving, and I was like, dude, I'm, like, my house is this way, I'm not running from you guys, like, you guys are stupid, I'm not gonna run from you guys, and then they picked up rocks, and they started throwing rocks at me, and, like, big baseball-sized rocks, and one of the rocks hit me in my ribs, and I'm pretty sure it broke my ribs, because it hurt for, like, two months after that, and that's like the worst of the damages I got. None of their punches really hurt me that much, but the, the rock they threw at me messed me up pretty bad. And then after that, I was also having a bunch of girl problems and stuff after that. Some girls were cheating on me and stuff. So I was like, and I had really bad grades in school. So I was like, man, like, I don't, I'm not going to college. These kids are beating me up. I'm getting bullied. Girls are cheating on me. Like, I need to figure something out. And that's, that's pretty much the story of how I became an MMA fighter. I was like, I'll be an MMA fighter. It'll fix all my problems. You know, there's the... A lot. <laughs> well, we have Frank frozen, uh -oh. hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully he what can... Uh... Frank? Phone die? Could be. That's all that matters. Now he's going to tell Yeah. Me. I don't think. Yeah. And the there. Frank for the left. Yeah. He heard my story. It's all that matters. He got it. Oh, there he is. Oh, yeah, I will bring this man back into the frame. <laughs> we got your back. Yeah, hey, I, 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 I was gonna say no. I know that you know this song. Jordan might not remember that old Kenny Rogers song. No, no when to hold him, no when to fold him, no when yeah. to walk away, no when to run. And and uh, and and it reminds me. You guys ever seen the movie Heat? By the way, people that are watching, like you know, I would say in my top fifteen, top twenty movies, Heat with Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. I think it's a Michael Mann, I think, made the movie. It's, it's like a two-and-a-half-hour, two-hour, 45-minute movie. It's, it's worth the watch. Um, and, the, you know, the character in there, De Niro, has, he falls in love, right? He finally falls in love, and he's home free. But he's got that guy, Wayne Grow, right? Remember Wayne Grow, the guy that, that screwed him over really bad? 
like he's 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 home free. He's going to go to the island with the woman. He's got all the money he could need, and he's ahead of the. He's he's home free. But Wayne Grow, who who kind of messed him over and who he can't stand, is you know he gets a call. Hey, we got Wayne Grow at a hotel, and he and he turns around right, and he can't he can't let that go. And I think I mean it's it's, it's first of all it's a great scene. It's a great like I understand that character. I understand that, and you know where where you're. You're so prideful, right? You're so wrapped up in an identity that even if it meant Jordan, I mean, guys like you and me, I'm speaking for myself too, but even if it meant you get your head stomped in, but this is the thing, Jordan, for those of us that have had our head kicked in and we've been jumped and we've been beaten up and we've, 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 we've made a life of, of getting our ankles twerked and our hands broken and our teeth chipped and this is broken and the shoulder is cracking and that doesn't feel right. For those of us who dance with danger like that and we beat it, we a lot of times I, I think like Frank, do you understand like there's people that are like vegetables or their brain is never right again or they're just never right. Like there are people that get really bad beatings. There are fighters, you know, sometimes it's just so bad and they're never the same after that, right? Their chin's never the same, their brain's never the same. It it it's not the norm, but it does happen. And I'm just thinking, is it worth it for what? Just for an identity. And, and, and again, I've still got that in me. I've got that bite down in your mouthpiece, beat up these five guys if you have to. I, I had, I didn't tell you guys this story, but last week, and I'm not proud of this, by the way, because just when I think that inner city Frank is gone, and just when I think I buried him, and oh, he's gone, you know, here comes tree hugger Frank, pacifist Frank, you know, poet Frank, here's, here's philosopher poet Frank, and just when I think the artist is there, and then inner city Frank makes an appearance, and I'm like, oh my God, the guy's still there. I was shadow boxing last Sunday at the park here on a Sunday, on a Sunday afternoon, peaceful as it can be. People are having picnics. People are falling asleep, taking naps in the park. Uh, kids are playing at the water fountains, whatever. They have like these spring fountains. And so I can see up ahead, like literally like 125, 50 yards in the yonder. I can see this group of like seven or eight, like 18, 19, 20 year olds. And you can just tell just by body language, you can tell. Like they think they're the toughest thing on two feet, right? Like they're the crew, right? They're the tough crew. They're the smart crew. They're the cool crew. You could see that from 150 yards away, them walking. And you're like, you're thinking, you know, oh, you know, they're going to come here. And of course, I'm just thinking, I'm just shadow boxing with some three pound weights. I'm getting the sun. I'm in la la land. I'm listening to music. But of course, there's an instinct in me that's like, oh God, here comes the tough crew. So I just, you know, they, they, they do their thing. Well, they get closer, like 25 yards away. And one of them, this big, big kid, he's probably like literally 6'3", 270, half muscle, half pudgy, right? Big kid. And he's doing all these gestures and, and mocking and, you know, and looking at me and flexing and just being silly. His friends are, are laughing. He's entertaining his friends. And he's pointing at me. And he didn't say anything, but he's pointing, he's gesturing, and he's being like kind of like a comedian. And then I didn't know if he was like, is he punking me? Is he mocking me? I didn't know what to make of all of the gestures and mannerisms. And so... He keeps looking over and mocking. Now, he wasn't trying to say, hey, I want to fight you. You think, you know, he didn't say anything, but he was doing these gestures. His friends were laughing. And so I look at the kid and I said, um, I looked over at him and I just stopped and I looked up and I said, uh, you don't want none. You don't want none, kid. And then I just went back to what I was doing. Now, I actually don't think that that was the right way. Like I was like thinking later, like, come on, you didn't have to say you don't want none. You didn't have to say that. But I was. But the, the inner city Baltimore part of me was like, look at these punks, like tough. They think they're the toughest thing on two feet. They think they're the baddest thing. They have bad attitudes. 
they have nothing better to do than to come over when they're seven deep, right? Seven deep power in numbers and sit there and look at me and, and you know, and look at me like I'm a weirdo and mock me or whatever. Told them you don't so, want them? Huh? You told them you don't want them? I said, you don't want none. <laughs> <But> I, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't say it in a way that was like, let's fight, right? I wasn't saying that. I just was saying it in a way kind of like, eh, you don't want none. You know, I didn't say it in a way like, I didn't follow it up with anything. I just looked up at him and I just looked at him for a second, like with that little gleam in my eyes. And I'm like, yeah, you don't want none. And then I went back to what I was doing. But then I was thinking the rest of my workout, I was like, okay, you didn't, I didn't really like seriously punk him. And I, but they, they were hanging around the park later. And, you know, and I was like, you know, you never know how, you know, 19, 20, 21 year old stupid people, you just never know how they tick. And I thought it's possible they could be like, you know, he, you know, they now, by the way, guys, they were like 25 yards away. They might not have even heard what I said. You know, some people can't understand. I'm an East Coast guy. They were like, what did he even say? Right. They probably didn't even know. But I actually analyzed that. Now, you guys, we're friends. We're all martial artists. Martial arts is not always technique in fighting it's 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 taking a look at situations like this and 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 analyzing it and saying hey how could i have handled that different how could i have de-escalated that how could i have maybe made a friend so you wind up analyzing that's a teachable moment for me as well i'm not when on our show i'm not going to sit here and act like i've handled every situation in life in in the most perfect fashion that's not the case a lot of times what we learn we learn the most from are things like this where we're like you know what let me edit that in my head. Let me review that in my head. Let me analyze that. I, there's a better reaction for you, Frank, than that. But what I'm saying, Noah, I mean, Noah and Jordan, yes, inner city Frank is still there. That guy you're talking about with that pride is there, Noah, I mean, Jordan. But guess what? I I just think it's so much easier to just de- – it would have been so much easier to just de-escalate that whole thing. Um and and sometimes it, you know discretion is the better part of valor. Sometimes the right thing to do is to just be like, is to sidestep it, is to navigate it, is to make a friend, is to is to. I would have escalated it to make a friend. I would have said, "Hey, bro, you want to come over here and roll with me? Let's see what we can do. No punches. Let's just see. Let's just see what happens." That, that occurred. Okay. That did occur to me. That that did occur. That did occur to me. We're like, "Hey, you're you're a lot bigger." Let's just roll, you know, no, whatever. I'm not mad at you, but let's just roll. I didn't do yeah. that, but that it did occur. Like, all right, you know, <laughs> like, um, so, so I understand. You know, what you're, a little, Noah, little escalation you're, by de-escalation. Yeah. Noah, you're sitting there taking all this in. What, what's your, what are your thoughts on some of the stuff? We've, you've been quiet for a little bit. We've, we've silenced you. What, what have been your thoughts over the last 10, 15 minutes? When I get quiet like this, you know, I, it's, it's me um, practicing um, <clears throat> being in your shoes and, and listening to you and shutting up the voice in my head. However, uh, there was a, there's just one thing I wanted to point out. Um, earlier in the podcast, I mentioned that, uh, you know, our legal system is based on English common law with torts. So I will tell you this. Once, uh, you know, once I'm provoked and I'm in self-defense mode and we get after the physical altercation and then after I, after I lean hard with the district attorney to press criminal charges against you, then I'm going to, then I'm going to, after you're done with that criminal prosecution, then I'm going to sue you civilly. And if you own a home, if you have a bank account, if you have a business, if your parents that you live with have uh, 
uh, have a real estate property or a homeowner's insurance, I'm going to make sure that my lawyer will fight you to the death. <laughs> so uh, there are three fights in one there. You know, I pack three punches in one. And so um, after I choke you out because you've, um, you, you, you provoked me and attacked me, then I'm going to make sure that uh, I, I have you prosecuted criminally, and then I'm going to go after you civilly uh, where I will uh, extract the fullest pain from you, and that's having a judgment against you and then taking your assets from you. That's all I'm going to say is there's, a, there's, vast, there's vast consequences, vast yeah. consequences for messing with me. So that's inner city Noah then. That, that's kind of inner city. That's kind of the version. East of Texas Noah. That's East <laughs> Texas Noah. That's East Texas that's gone the route of of realizing that he lives in a culture, uh, in a in a uh, civilized culture where I'm going to civilly choke you out, and then I'm going to take, then I'm going to have you criminally prosecuted, and then I'm going to take your assets from you. Hope you enjoy your new ride because it's going to be mine soon. Wait. So so kick your. A R. Let's say arse, because the British say arse. They don't say the the, the the curse word. They say arse. Kick your arse and then take your arsets. Okay. Go after your arsets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Was that essentially that's what's going to happen? And um, there's three fights in one, three in one. And I would do that, and I would make sure that, um, yeah, I'd make sure that your life's a living hell for years, because it when. It only takes a couple hundred dollars to file a lawsuit. It's pretty easy to do, and the templates are online. If I, but plenty of attorneys out there will do this. You know, if you don't have friends for attorneys, make some. You'll need them. Um, uh, I think it's healthy to understand that uh, we train in martial arts, but that's like the that that is just one weapon. Um, that's one weapon. You know, that's one skill set to have. Um, you know, we were contrasting uh, uh, rule of law versus um, vigilanteism, you know, which is what you have in Brazil. You know, that, um, that's one of the beauties of living in the United States of America. Um, you know, we, we don't have to resort to vigilanteism. You know, you, do, you need to know your, your local laws, your state laws you live in, and how they operate. Uh, you know, there's castle doctrine, there's um, various doctrines, um, and we as martial artists, artists and we talk a good talk, we, you know, where, where's our game at in terms of protecting ourselves legally as well. There's products out there, legal products out there like uh, Law Shield, which um, when you pull the trigger, and this is one thing I've, um, you know, when training with, uh, training with uh, firearms heavily, over the last few, uh, you know, last 15 years, um, there are vast consequences. Once you pull that trigger, your life will never, ever be the same. And it's not good. You know, when, 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 when you have to, when you have to defend yourself with that firearm and you're responsible for that round that goes out of the chamber, um, your life is never going to be the same after that. And I promise you, it's not good. Um, you, you're going to need an attorney to bail you out. Uh, you're going to be prosecuted for uh, homicide or um, intent to do bodily harm just because you're protecting yourself. Um, 
there's there's a lot of legal consequences that goes with um, training these arts. You wanting to have guns, you wanting to have uh, uh, edge weapons. Understand the consequences of your actions because um, it's it's uh, it's it's easy to sit and talk about this stuff. Um, yeah, but, you're, you're you're right. There's a there's a philosopher in India named San Guru, and they they asked him what's the biggest, what's the worst. Uh, what's the worst evil in the world? And I, so I listened to the video for like 15 minutes and I'm like, you know, of course I'm conjecturing like, what could be, what could the answer be? And, and his answer was ignorance. Ignorance is the, in his mind was the worst evil in the world. And to your point, Noah, what you're describing, which is a lot of us, including me on some levels, we, we have to understand all the dominoes that can fall, like just off of some, just off of a disagreement that escalates into something. And once you go hands on, or you go weapons on, or you use, you know, deadly force or, you know, there are, there's just so many ways, there's so many ways the dominoes can fall. It's oh, bye, Frank. What keeps <laughs> happening? Huh? I said, I wonder what keeps happening. Uh, technology. I, I think that his battery's low or something. But anyways, that was my only point I wanted to make is, you know, you got to really understand uh, what's on the other side of the fight. Um, and what's on the other side of that fight is a lot of misery, unfortunately. Um, you know, your wounds will heal, your ego will heal, and, um, I mean, if you have to use it, you have to use it. But then also know that um, there's levels after that as well that you're going to have to, you know, there's still more in the arsenal uh, once you've once you've gone physical. And that's... Uh, uh, working with the district attorney uh, and the prosecutor and gathering evidence to uh, criminally prosecute and then gather all that for, you know, tabulate your bills, your, your medical bills, your legal bills, and then um, going after them for damages. You know, damages, uh, um, you know, damages like, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't work, you know, like for you, if someone were to fight you on the street, and that hampers your martial arts uh, and your MMA career, there are damages you can take for them, you know, because you can say, look, I'm an up-and-coming martial artist, and this guy jumped me, and I had a broken arm, and I had a fight coming up. And it wasn't just that, but that also, you know, you demonstrate uh, damages, uh, which is a, you know, that's a cottage industry in, in accounting and law to uh, – to show exactly, you know, what that looked like financially. And then for someone to shake off a judgment against them, where then you you put a lien against their assets until they pay you. And that's on their record. That's on their criminal. I'm sorry, that's on their credit score. You know, when you go to buy a house, they're going to say, well, you have this judgment against you. Did you, did you, did you pay it off? And yeah. that person hasn't paid off that stuff. That follows them for jobs that follows them for credit. You can't buy a car, a house. Um, you know, there's, there's vast consequences to this thing. Um, so, um, yeah, when you want to use those tools, be sure you understand the cost of it. Um, uh, just to shift gears, I know we're um, coming up on time. Jordan, um, training with you on Tuesday, right? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what I'm, I'm going to talk to Frank tomorrow about um, game planning um, 
uh, for, I guess there's no real grappling com uh, competition uh, for the rest of 2020. So we've got Not five months. Battle. We've got five months left in this year, calendar-wise. Um, I don't know how long I've got uh, to train uh, train with you, so I want to make the most of it. Um, you know, with my nearly 50-year-old body, it's going to take a minute to recover from workouts. Um, but I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the focus of just getting with you and training, um, um, training on, um, you, know, I, I will, you know, I'll talk to you more in depth then. Um, you know, what you want to do and um, what you want to plan for on Tuesday. But uh, whatever we can do to start getting uh, getting ready for, you know, five months out competition-wise you know, or more, um, I'm looking forward to training with you. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting, uh, getting, start getting you to, excuse me, start getting you to lose some weight. I think we're going to start getting some weight off you pretty quickly once you start moving around and start training and stuff. Cool. Yeah. That's, uh, well, um, it's going to happen. I've, I will, uh, yeah, I, I did. I was going to talk about some of those things today on the podcast, but we went in a completely different direction than I anticipated. Just fine. As you know, it, um, huh? I said, we usually do. We usually do. Yeah. We meander. Um, but, uh, anyways, so we'll, let's do a wrap here. Uh, Frank did warn us that he only had a certain amount of time. Um, anything else, yes. any other thoughts you want to put out there? Um, just want to give a shout-out to anybody who is listening out uh, to this podcast. If we got any loyal loyal listeners out there, thank you guys for listening. Um, we're gonna we're just going to get better from here. We're going to get better and better podcasts. We're trying to get better and better topics. I feel like we're, we're getting a better chemistry and, like, learning how to talk a little bit better. Um. Yeah, just just keep listening, keep tuning in. Yes, this is number thirty, and Frank's popping up on the radar screen here. A little, see if he has oh. any thoughts. Frank, we're gonna do our closure. Frank has the best closures. Frank, the closer. Hey. Frank, the closer. Can you hear us? I don't think Frank's back. I don't think his tech is working right now. I hear him making noises on his end. Um, oh, there he is. Hey, Frank. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got yeah. you now. Can you guys hear me? Can you guys yeah. hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've been pretty much out of juice. Um, you warned but, us. Uh, I think you guys know how to wrap it up, and, and it's been a, I've enjoyed it. I hope you guys get out and... Have a great rest of the day. Um, are you guys wrapping up now, or yeah, yeah it's a good time to wrap up. That's a good, yeah, it's a good wrap. Number thirty, <laughs> and it's right at three o'clock Pacific. So uh, uh, that's a wrap for this week's show. Um, oh, good talking to out. you. Yeah, he's out. Rest, guys. Um, yeah, man. All right, I'll see you. I'll see you Tuesday. We're gonna, we're gonna get after it. That's a wrap. Uh, Everyman BJJ. We'll get some good work Every in. Yep. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. I'll see you later. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Everyman BJJ. Thanks for listening. Look for new episodes of Everyman BJJ every week, wherever you get your podcast or at everymanbjj.com.